Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the foot of Jake Camarda. And it's a fake. Justin Fields. Oh my gosh. It was fourth and 11. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, the conference championship games are behind us. We know who's in the college football playoffs, and there is a lot to talk about here on this Monday edition. How are you, sir? Yeah, my head's spinning. First and foremost, it's nice to be here next to you live in person. We're working from your studios at home here in fine Charlotte, North Carolina, recording draft dudes. And we uh, we went to the ACC championship game this weekend, which we'll dig into in a little bit. But uh, in the meantime, uh, I, I know you're heartbroken about the results of the college football playoff committee. I'm not going to talk about NFL right now. No, no yeah, that's where you thought this was you're, going. You're definitely not sitting next to me with a Minka Fitzpatrick you're, jersey you're, on you. It's, I, I would never. Do it, that's not happening. I would never do that. No. I especially wouldn't wait until after the game was over right. to make sure that the team won before yeah. going and putting no. the jersey on no. and then coming out and you seeing it for the first <laughs> no, time. No, definitely, definitely not Kyle Krabs-esque. Oh, but since you wanted to talk about the camp, conference championship games, why don't we just dig right in? Yeah, let's go, man. We got college football. Football playoff uh, implications across the board here. Uh, let's start with Pac-12. This game was on Friday night, yeah, uh, seven o'clock, I believe, kick. And this game, uh, I watched this with you, my first night in town. And if you didn't watch this game, congratulations, <laughs> you didn't lose four hours of your life that you'll never get back. But my primary takeaway from this is Byron Murphy is a stud. Mm-hmm. We sat down, we watched this football game. Byron Murphy scored the only touchdown in this football game, 10-3 victory for Washington. And it kind of prompted me to take the deep dive on Byron Murphy, which I did on Saturday. And I loved what I found. You know, And I knew Byron Murphy was good. I knew he had quick feet. I knew he had good short area quickness. But when you watch Byron Murphy and you watch all 22 on Byron Murphy, you really gain an appreciation for his intelligence and zone coverage and his ability to keep eyes in the backfield and process things that are happening and then the physical ability to have that short area quickness and redirection skills to stick his foot in the ground and drive on those plays and uh, obviously that was on display with the ball skills Murphy uh, getting lucky uh, to, to be able to run that ball back for a touchdown but it was a great illustration of exactly what a team would get with Byron Murphy if they were to target him in the NFL draft. Yeah, Bert Murphy's a very exciting cornerback prospect. Silky smooth, man, and a couple oh. interceptions. And uh, he, he definitely doesn't play small. And you love to see cornerbacks that are willing to be physical. Uh, I don't want to dig into Murphy all that much more because I think you, you encapsulated him very well, and we're both very excited that's about what Kofer, he can That's I talk too long. That's, what that's no, Well, I wanted to bring something else to the table here about this game. And I'll be that guy. I'll be the one that, that throws a little shade here. Uh, Jake Browning, right, quarterback from Washington, he entered the, the season with some fans. And uh, that's not Ben Solak's fault. Where'd they go? <laughs> well, you know, Solak did a good job of, of really putting it out there, what he is as a prospect. And then, you know, Browning went out and proved Ben right all season long. And then you, you just saw the limitations. The limitations were there all season long. He's had some production here at Washington. But uh, against a good defense like Utah, he's 21 to 33, 187, and an interception, and a guy that just doesn't check the physical trait boxes, right, to play quarterback in the NFL. So uh, sorry to. 
you know, toss a wet blanket over the Washington Huskies who just went out and won the Pac-12. But uh, he's we, undraftable. Yeah, we've got to move on from yeah. Jake Browning as a quarterback prospect, and that's fair because we're going to get a lot of questions about him and all the quarterbacks. And just want to be be honest with everyone, we're not we're not seeing it there with uh, with Jake Browning. Kyle, we started off Saturday with Texas and Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship game. First of all, always good to remind ourselves that. The Big 12 championship game exists, and now we actually have Thank this game, this yeah. game and that nonsense about just uh, not every other P5 school having to play for one and uh, not not the Big 12. But uh, this is an exciting football game. Um, I'll start off with my big takeaway since you, you took honors on that last one. Um, I think we were both really impressed by Gary Johnson, oh, yeah. 33 linebacker from Texas. And it was fun because we were watching the game after he made several plays where, where it was really good illustration of him making a quick read and getting out in space and making a play. We were like, how, this guy's a senior? And we were like, how did we not know who he is? And then we had that remember that aha yeah, moment, right? Because yeah. we watched Malik Jefferson film together, yeah, last year at the Senior Bowl. At the Senior Bowl, and we we're like, "Who's thirty three? He's better. He's better. He's better than Jefferson. Than Malik Jefferson." And, and Johnson, look, I, I think both of us want to go and take a real good look. We could have a right. live one here because right. when you talk about a space player, a guy that can get downhill and, and, and you know win. Outside the tackles, winning in space, winning coverage. Gary Johnson made a lot of plays, 11 tackles, a tackle and a half for loss, and he really popped. I feel like his impact was even bigger than that. It was, and... He's a Big Twelve defensive player, and so I, it's it's That's nice. Something in itself. Ni- nice yeah. to see a guy out there making some plays. Yeah, I want to talk about a guy that didn't have a great game, uh, Chris Boyd. Yeah, thanks. How, how many penalties did Chris Boyd have in the uh, first four half? Four that we know of. Four that we know. No, of. three in the first half. Four in the game okay. that we know. Of. Yeah, right. uh, we remember. Rough game for him. Uh, he did make a nice play on Hollywood Brown though, punching that ball out yes. of his catch point that one yep. time. Uh, Hollywood Brown is another name that I'd like to touch on just a little bit. Not his best game, right? I mean, he. We saw Oklahoma play live last week mm-hmm. against West Virginia, and Hollywood Brown torched him. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, this is this is the best, the ceiling of Hollywood Brown. Well, I think we saw a little <laughs> bit more of uh, the middle tiers of what you can expect with a Hollywood Brown. Where obviously that speed was still a factor in the football game, but he had five catches for fifty-four yards, and he had let three balls get into his hands, and he did not catch the football cleanly, yeah. and he dropped a couple footballs. And it's like, okay, dude, is this Will Fuller? You know, because Will Fuller coming out of of Notre Dame was kind of the same exact case. Explosive plays all over the field. Vertically, he's going to torch you. But can he catch the ball with his hands? And then you you factor in the size concerns, and I'd expect him to be a polarizing player. I'm sure some team's going to fall in love with him because he's going to run speed, 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 speed. He's going to run 4-3. But can you consistently get that production out of him? Uh, that's something I'm most interested in on on Hollywood Brown right now to vet when the time comes to watch his t- his tape and do the deep dive myself. Yeah, big deal there for Oklahoma to avenge their loss right to Texas. Yeah, and uh, got themselves in the dance, Kyle. Whether or not we both agree with that, we do. <laughs> we do. I, I can, do. We can live with it. So, anything else here on this game? Uh, I'm uh, Colin Johnson, right? Eight for 177 and a touchdown, and he's tall, right? But he's pretty smooth for a guy that's as tall as he is and had some impressive wins at the catch point. I know Dane Brugler uh, with The Athletic is a big fan of of Colin Johnson, and so is uh, Trevor Sycamore with us, and obviously Brad Kelly likes Colin Johnson. So, you know, we talk about and kill Harry, and we talk about DK Metcalf and Kelvin Harmon as the big receivers in this class, but don't sleep on Colin Johnson, who who wins big and moves pretty well for his size. It's the year of the big receiver, it feels like. Uh, I do want to give a shout to uh, Sam Ellinger Prescott for his performance. (laughs) Triggered some Cowboys fans on Twitter. Uh, Sam taking that brutal safety in the fourth quarter that uh, was kind of the the shot that made the wheels fall off the bus. 
but I don't know how you don't see that corner stepping down off the right-hand side there, and he never looked that way. No. I get he's turning his back to that side with the mesh point, but you got to see him creeping. Yep. He's stepping down before you take the snap. Yep. And it was a good illustration of Sam Ellinger's a guy that inevitably we're going to get questions about because he's a productive quarterback. He's a household name that ESPN loves to pump. Yeah. Pump your brakes. Let's <laughs> slow down. SEC championship game, Joe. This one oh, was, boy. depending on what your rooting interests were, a heartbreaker or a great, great, great football game. If you were rooting for the Georgia Bulldogs, Mr. Marino, yeah. to make the college football playoff, right. this was a dagger to the heart because you spent probably three hours afterwards trying to justify why Georgia should still be in the playoff. Thank you, Kyle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this, um, was great, this was a great game. If you don't mind, I'd like to kind of take a lead here, and I want to talk about the receivers from Alabama because they struggled early. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tua was streaky. He missed some throws. He was under a lot of pressure. But these guys dropped some balls on him and hung him out to dry. Uh, Judy dropped the ball. Uh, Irv Smith dropped a bomb down the middle in the first yeah, quarter. That that was would, a, yeah. I mean, that was instrumental in Alabama getting to a huge hole in this yeah. football game. And I like the way they bounced back. Now, even before Jalen Hurts came into the game and they scored 14 points to win the football game uh, in the final few moments of the fourth quarter, the, the Alabama skill players recovered really, really well. Uh, Irv Smith is a player that I can't wait to watch because this is a great year for tight ends. Irv Smith's a little easy to get put on the back burner because he's not a household name and he doesn't demand a ton of targets like some of the other tight ends in the class do. But we just had Noah Fant declare for the draft. Irv Smith's kind of cut from that same cloth. I think he's a little bit better of a blocker and being a guy that plays on the line of scrimmage. But he's a really great athlete, and those guys – really make waves in the draft pool when they're in. Yeah, we just wait till Waddle, Ruggs, and, and Judy are eligible next year. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun Holy looking cow. at those guys. Uh, looking at the Georgia pass catchers, Kyle, I, I've really – it's been frustrating watching Georgia all season long because you just felt like these guys didn't get an, enough chances. And in this game where, where Georgia came out and threw the ball 40 times, now they still ran it 39 times, uh, but we started to see some of these guys get involved. And the guy that I've loved for a while now is Riley Ridley, uh, he had four catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. And not that that's a monster game, but the traits, right? It's the traits that you see in those situations. The touchdown catch where the ball, where he's tremendous body control and ball skills. Uh, he's a good route runner. He's a guy that can win after the catch. And he's got good size. And I think you just continue to see these teases of, of what I think can be a really productive NFL player. And he's just not going to have the production that goes with it. And and uh, so if you're if you if you if you're not box score scouting, which is what we encourage you not to be. Right. You, you, focus, you focus on the traits. You're going to like what you see in Riley Ridley. One other guy, Isaac Nauta, the tight end, four catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. There have been times this season where he's taken over football games. There was times in this game against Alabama, the Florida game, and, and he's just not targeted enough. But when he gets chances, he really has a nice ability to, to cause spacing issues and, and stretch the middle of the field. And he's a pretty good athlete, and he blocks pretty well. I think he's a pretty complete tight end that, again, doesn't have the, the production you hope for, but a guy that has NFL traits for sure. Right. Uh, if I see one more Justin Field snap this season, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Especially on 4th and eleven. Oh, geez. At midfield in a tie football game with a minute left in the game. And Alabama's in punt safe with their base defense. Is that bad? Oh, my God. That's the worst play call I've seen all year. Yeah, Is terrible. that the worst play call you've seen in the last uh, three years? Well, it, it, considering the implications. 
Yeah. yeah. And then and then Kirby goes to the, the podium afterwards and says, I'm playing to win the football game. Well. Mm. Then go out and run your offense right. out there. Throw it up to Ridley. <laughs> right. Don't don't run a fake punt pass to yeah. Justin Fields against punt safe. Yeah. It's outrageous. Defensively, this conversation starts and ends with Quinn and Williams. He was a monster again in this football game. And again, his stat line, eight tackles. Uh, he, he did register a stack and two tackles for a loss. He was more impactful than that. Yeah. He was all over the football field. And it was really, really impressive to watch him again. Every time Quinn Williams gets an opportunity to showcase his skill set, he is dominant. Yep. And there has not been a single riser throughout this entire <laughs> season as far as what he's done and the money that he's made for himself than Quinn Williams. And you saw him against an elite football team. Georgia punched Alabama in the mouth for the first 40 minutes of that football game. But they didn't punch Quinn Williams in the mouth. They got nope. pushed up front. They were collapsing the edge, but they weren't smacking around Quinn Williams. I think that's a really important distinguishment to make, even though Georgia dominated the line of scrimmage for a majority of the football game. Yeah, Quinn Williams keeps acing the test, right? He's going to be a top three pick, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should he declare as a redshirt sophomore? One other uh, defensive player I want to touch on is J.R. Reed, safety from Georgia. Uh, I thought he'd have a bigger year than he did, and, and particularly the in terms of ball skills and having ball production and making plays in the football. And, and we saw it, right? We, we they they reappeared to, a, against Alabama. He had the big interception, uh, which is a big swing in the game. Obviously, it wasn't uh, part of a winning equation, but all time great celebration. It, afterwards, it, it was. Way. It was. He wanted to remind everybody. Conflict, baby. Yeah, he needed. <laughs> He wanted to let everyone know what he did there, but I think it was good for JRE to get that interception, and, and I know he was active uh, coming forward playing against the run with eight tackles as well. So, uh, Kyle, the game we were at, and it was a little soggy there at Bank of America uh, yes, it Stadium. Was. But um, I guess this game kind of went as you would expect, a 42-10 win for Clemson, obviously punched your ticket to the college football playoffs. And I know we're here to talk about draft-eligible prospects, Kyle, but I don't think I can get enough of Travis Etienne. 12 rushes, 156 yards, two touchdowns, took the opening play from scrimmage to the house, and he's just moving at a different pace, right? I mean, and the thing about him is he's not small, right? You expect a guy with his elusiveness and his balance and his ability to run away from people to be like a jitterbug, scatback, Tariq Cohen type guy. No, this guy's over, this guy's over 200 pounds. He's 210, 215, and he has... He, I mean, it, it's not just the speed and burst. It's the power. It's the balance. It's it's the width that he can get in his lateral moves. He, he special back, Kyle. Right. I mean, we're talking about next year's class with with some of the guys that are in it: Cam Akers and and uh, Swift from Georgia, Jonathan Taylor, AJ Dillon, Travis Etienne. Man, that's going to be one of those guys that we're going to debate how high he should go in the draft because he can really be a dynamic player in the NFL on offense. Yeah, you're going to make me issue an apology to Etienne right here on the podcast because I think two weeks ago on Takes on Takes, you asked me if Jonathan Taylor was my RB one going into 2020. Mm. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> no, sir. Etienne's a monster. Yeah. He is a monster. And John Ledyard put one out from the Boston College game that yeah. I was at as well. I was in one of the back end zones, so I didn't get as good of a look as what the TV broadcast got of it. And he spun move a guy out of the hole, 101, took on contact, and then proceeded to like run through three more tackle challenges before ultimately getting roped down. Uh, He's got great speed, too. Uh, If I want to talk about an offensive player for Pitt, I'm not talking about Kenny Pickett because he had eight passing yards and 16 attempts, which is not great. Whoa, are you sure? Eight passing yards, 16 attempts, <laughs> averaged a half a yard per attempt, uh, a 4.8 QBR for the record. Quadri Oldison, yeah. this was a guy that you and I both kind of made a note of because he moves a little better than what you'd expect for a guy that's listed at 6'2", 230. Yeah. 
Uh, he's pretty smooth. Um, obviously, when you get a guy in a situation like that where the field's wet, sloppy, he actually went in the, the locker room at one point and had to change his jersey and come back out with a brand-new jersey on. And two plays later, you wouldn't have guessed he changed his jersey because the field was just slop on Saturday night. It's hard for you to gauge his footwork and his ability to cut hard, but I did like what I saw as far as the looseness in his hips, his ability to get his shoulders turned upfield when he was pressing laterally to, towards the boundary. Uh, those things popped for Quadri Olerson, so I thought that was a good showing for him, despite the fact that statistically speaking, he didn't have a great game. Uh, yeah, and he's had a great year, though. And I guess, I mean, this, this Clemson front seven is just so good. And one of the guys that I think really popped in this front seven that I've been skeptical on this season is Trey Lamar, their, their linebacker there. Nine tackles a sack, two tackles for loss. Uh, and what really impressed me about him in this game is Pitt really decided to really kind of have this horizontal attack and try to try to open up things up the middle and it never none of it ever worked but what Trey Lamar showed in terms of being a more of a outside the tackles contributor being more of a rangy guy than I expected after kind of watching him all season long and, and uh, taking a deep dive into him over the summer I just didn't think he had the movement skills for what I'm looking for in a, in a you know in today's NFL and you know obviously the pace and space game but Trey Lamar is a guy that I thought really rose to the occasion in terms of playing a little bit more with more range than I expected and he's obviously very physical coming downhill and he's a big linebacker but that range very impressive for him and something that I thought he needed to show I will say this about Lamar uh he was making the plays but he was still a half step behind on the angles yeah which is something that you know I'm eager to look into because you know more about Trey Lamar than I do but you elbowed me at one point and said look like he wasn't making these kinds of lateral plays when I watched him over the summertime and he and he was getting home but you could tell that was still a little bit of a labor to get out there and, and scrape laterally. So uh, certainly something that I'm going to key on knowing what your concerns are with him as a player. For me, my only takeaway uh, defensively from both of these teams is I love this Clemson defensive line. Not only are they dominant, Joe, this, this group plays special teams. Yeah, We're watching them out there on the punt team. Field goal. They're on field goal. They're, they're blocking and they're, they're covering punts. It's hilarious. It's awesome. Love and they get fired up about it, too. Yeah. They're always eager to run out in the field. And, you know, you, I, I would have a nightmare as a coach trying to peel those guys off the field. If the score's out of hand, you, I feel like you've got to convince those guys to step off the field. I think it's a huge testament to each and every one of those guys on that defensive line that they still contribute to the game in that manner, despite the fact that they're so experienced, they're so highly coveted as players. Yeah. I mean, those guys, think about that group, Bryant, Farrell, Wilkins, Four years, four ACC championships, four years in the playoffs. I mean, just an unbelievable group that's achieved so much. But Christian Wilkins is the first guy off the sideline when it's time to kick an extra point. Right. Love it. Love it. And the NFL is going to love that, too. Absolutely. It's the little things like that 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 will absolutely gear some teams more than others towards a player like Christian Wilkins. Yep. Big Ten championship. This game took place at the same time as the ACC, which we were at. Uh, My only takeaway from this game being a, a Big Ten quote-unquote specialist for the draft network this year Haskins made a statement in this football game Haskins didn't only make a statement for his NFL draft resume Haskins made a Heisman statement because you look at what he did against Michigan you look at the performance he had in a game that they were trailing the entire time against Maryland and you look at what he did in this football game 34 of 41 for 499 yards and five touchdowns he ended this year in crunch time on fire. 
And listen, Ohio State did not deserve to make the college football playoff with a loss to Purdue in which they gave up over 50 points. But I don't know how you look at what Dwayne Haskins did for Ohio State with how bad some of the other components of this football team were. The fact that he rewrote the Big Ten passing records for single season. 51 total touchdowns, 47 passing touchdowns. He's, he carried this football team, and this is as good of a testament as any where Ohio State was in a dogfight with Northwestern, and then Haskins happened, and he took it over. So that's my takeaway from this football game. If you want to start asking some questions about the Heisman Trophy, Tua Tagovailoa left that game down 14 points or down 7 points. Alabama won the football game. Ohio State probably has four or five losses yeah. without Dwayne Haskins. Right, right. Maryland game, uh, you know. Nebraska, Nebraska was a one-score game. Penn State, they were down 14 in the fourth quarter. This football 62 game 62 on Michigan. 62 points on Michigan. Yeah. Without Haskins, Ohio State is a four-loss team, maybe more. Yeah. And and uh, your article you put out on Sunday about Heisman hopefuls, and you gave your, your top ten, and, and – uh, I, after reading it, I was like, yeah, Haskins probably deserves a Heisman, and, and I'm going to put you for on the, the spot. For the value of his team. Right. Well, and the numbers are there too, right? Sure, <laughs> absolutely. All right, here it is. When was the last time a Big Ten quarterback was drafted in the first round? I mean, it's been – I know this answer. Okay, so so does that change? Is Dwayne Haskins – Yes. This year? Dwayne Haskins breaks the streak that has been alive since Kerry Collins was drafted first overall in 1995 to the Carolina Panthers. That's the last time. 20, is it 23, maybe 24 years. Joe, do I have that information in front of me right now? You don't. I can, I'm literally. Yeah. Nail it. Yeah. Sorry, I almost broke your desk there. Yeah. I'm well, getting all careful. fired up. Mucho take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is not, um, this is not a multilingual podcast, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up now that you threw something. I don't know what it means on the podcast. No so. Spanish, Kyle? No Spanish? Well, I took a couple years of Spanish, but I don't know what that was. All right. All right. What was it? Mu- no. Mucho take it easy. That's actually mucho Spanglish. No, mucho take it easy. It's take nacho it libre. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nacho libre references are not my forte. I felt like I did. I used this a couple I, weeks ago, and maybe you probably, did. Probably, but um, you can't. I've had you sober here at the house. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Joe, <laughs> Joe locked me out with no bourbon. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Tomorrow's Takes on Takes. Make sure you hit us up with all of your hot tags with, with the hashtag Takes on Takes. Joe is on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I am on Twitter at Grinding the Tape. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.